Well, great to see you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan, my wife Hannah, and I get the honor of leading this incredible church, and it is so good to have you guys here today. I'm going to be hobbling around. We were playing soccer this week. We do it every few weeks and absolutely trash my ankle. I was reminded I'm only getting older. The game was going well until Jacob decided to just aggressively hack the bone. No, just kidding. He went for the ball at the same time and he's younger and stronger and he came off fine and I got lifted off the field. But anyway, so I'm going to stay pretty still right now and uh, just kind of lean in and do this rock like an old man in a chair. Um, we are doing a preaching series at the moment on Numa. And it's the, the Greek New Testament word for spirit. And in, in the New Testament, it's interchangeable with both wind and breath of God. It's the spirit of God. This is pneuma. It's actually the same thing in the Old Testament, but it's a different word, a Hebrew word called ruach. And we love that that end had the breath of God. We looked at week one, whenever the breath of God came, life came as well. Ruach, and you know, God came down and formed Adam of the dust and breathed life into him. When Abraham, Abram and Sarai couldn't have a baby, he, he came down and changed their name to Abraham, Sarah. And all of a sudden they fell pregnant and became the, the parents' father of nations. And so it's his breath of God that we wanted to... Um, I, I, I was stressing that day, if you we weren't here or didn't see the, the YouTube, I... I really don't like over-symbolic, allegorical preaching. I've just got to be honest. It's like, oh, this happened, and what could that maybe mean in the New Testament? And sometimes we overstretch it to mean like, oh, the Spirit is like a wind and like a breath, and if you do this, that means the Holy Spirit. Like, it just gets into this weird territory so often. But biblically, that word is interchangeable breath and spirit and I truly believe that the Holy Spirit wants to again and again and again and again just breathe fresh life into you and I and we can be Holy Spirit dependent people without being weird yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my the heartbreaking things for me growing up was it was uh, I, I and I can't stress this enough they're not even here so if you're not blowing smoke that I'm so blessed to grow up under pastors Eric and Christine Harrison they know the Bible so well, and they have such a conviction for the Word of God. And since day one, they've been so open to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. And when the church marries both, that's a healthy, beautiful space to be in. Um, I, the, the comment before, it breaks my heart when I see someone go left or right only. And so, so many of the preachers and teachers and theologians I adore they know the word so well. They're so Christ-exalting. They have such a good, accurate, sovereign view of God. And I'm like, yes, 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 God is sovereign, holy and uncreated, and He doesn't submit to us. He's, he's huge and He's amazing and He's good. But when I'm in their you know, conferences or spaces or visiting a church, they rarely kind of allow the Holy Spirit to be there or expect a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. And they're like, oh, they would even go, like, oh, they, I'm a Jesus person. We don't, we don't talk about things of the Spirit. And I'm like, how, could you, how can you divide the Trinity? It's impossible. But my heart equally breaks, you know, over here in, these, in the hyper-Pentecostal world where it's just all Holy Spirit and it's preached in a way where I'm amazing. Me, 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 you've got a gift and you're anointed and you've got to go and conquer the world and you're a, an ambassador at a spirit-filled world change. I'm like, oh, don't preach in a way that makes me feel like I'm amazing. Yeah. 
Preach in a way that reminds me God is amazing and I'll leave more confident. And, and when we preach the Word, Holy Spirit will fill us. The, the Word of God, I can't stress this enough. If you forget everything today, this is my predominant conviction, maybe on everything we preach. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, The Word of God is, depending on your translation, but something around Holy Spirit inspired. Something around that. The Greek is what I want to hammer right now. I need you to catch this. The Greek word there is theoneustos. Theo is God, neustos, pneuma. It's the only time we see this Greek word in the whole Bible. The only thing in all creation that we actually have here, either a paper one or a phone one, is the Word of God. That is the only thing in all creation that is God-spirited. And the reason I want that, I want to grow in my knowledge and affection and appreciation for the Word of God, not in just an intellectual, religious way. I want to grow in my understanding of the Word of God in a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led way. But I don't ever, ever, ever want to be a part of anything that is Spirit-filled and Spirit-led and lacks the Word of God. And we see that. We see manifestations of the Spirit, and and there's just no word preached or a corrupted word preached. There's no Christ preached. There's no... Uh, no, no, no strength in this, this sovereign view of God, holy God, in control, has a plan, has a will, is carrying out that plan, is carrying out that will through us. And so I just wanted to, to preface today with that. May we always be both Word and Spirit. And today I want to speak on the gifts of the Spirit. Just my conviction around what that topic is. Is that cool? Fan. Fantastic. Before I got up, my son Abel put his Pokemon cards in my pocket, if you're wondering what the square thing is here. So if at any point I sense the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to flip a card on you right now. So you are now Lilligant, who has a, a hundred power, and uh, he's, oh, that's a cracking one. Their gift is dizzying flower. <laughs> Holy Spirit, do what you can. Thank you, Lord. Hannah and I have an ongoing joke at home. Whenever we pretend to be like a um, Southern Baptist Pentecostal, well, we just say something weird and go, Holy Spirit, do what you can. <laughs> Holy Spirit, do what you can. Okay, all right, let's get into it. Before we do a deep dive, today's probably not even going to be a deep dive. It's just more my conviction around gifts. Uh, First Corinthians. Chapter 12 and chapter 14 are all going to be predominantly around the gifts of the Spirit. So let's first and foremost look at chapter 13. In the middle, verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, if you're new to Christianity, there's a gift of the Spirit called tongues. And sometimes we see tongues in Acts as languages of earth, and other times we see it in Corinthians in a heavenly language. So that's what that's referring to. But I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, an Old Testament and New Testament gift, And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Is that confronting to anyone else? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for loving us. We thank you for leading us and guiding us.
We thank you for helping us, Holy Spirit. Can you guard us? Can you protect us from ever drifting into religion? Whether that religion would just be a lifeless, mindless walk with you, or it would be moving in a form of the Spirit that is just not of you or from your Word. Can you please protect us from both spaces, God? Keep us in this middle ground where we know you through your word and we expect you to move today. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us be led by your truth. Help us be people. Holy Spirit, your word says that you would lead and guide us into all truth. And Jesus, you said we will know the truth. The truth will set us free. I pray that we would be spirit-led, scripture-centered, Christ-exalting people tomorrow morning as we do drop-off for kids or go to work. We'd take you, Holy Spirit. We'd know you're with us. We'd know you're leading us. We'd know you're guiding us. We'd know you're convicting us. Help us to have eyes to see what you are doing, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear when you prompt us in the right time to buy a coffee for someone, to sit next to someone who looks discouraged, to pray with someone. Lord, lead us in that way for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I might pull this back actually today. I want to stay within the confines of the notes if that is okay. Uh, is that Michelle up there? Michelle, you are incredible. Michelle Gaga on our board, phenomenal woman of God and up there doing media. I absolutely love your heart. Uh, I'm just going to jump around and swap a few. The verses I've given you are right. I'm just going to swap some of the orders, if that's okay. Can we pl please first get Ephesians 4, up, verse 13? Now, throughout the New Testament, there's just a couple of times we actually see the word gifts, even. The Greek word is charisma it's such a strong it's like uh, you're trying to get something out and the beautiful thing that I first and foremost want to highlight is the word for grace you were saved by grace grace is all through the New Testament is charis charis and the word for gifts is charisma so may we first and foremost build our lives on the thought that everything that a gift could look like in the church today is an overflow of the grace of God it is not given so we can have some rock stars in Christendom. And if you see, I'm not going to name names, but if you see people trying to make themselves famous in Christendom right now through their gift, I would encourage you to challenge that person's motive. I am most excited when someone predominantly doesn't want to be known but make Jesus known. I'm like, ooh, that's, that's a good heart right there. That seems like God's given you a gracious gift for the building of his church. When someone's trying to build their own empire, I get nervous. So if, uh, Ephesians 4 predominantly refers to the ascension gifts. It's called as Jesus ascended to heaven. He gave gifts to men, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Uh, and the, the gifts are there. The gifts are building the church for the equipping of the saints, which is you and I, every single person here. The gifts were given for, to equip you for the working of ministry, for the doing of ministry. But this is what I want to read about the gifts. These will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus Christ, that we may be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The goal of gifts is unity and growing in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
That's the goal. And we have to keep the goal the goal. Otherwise, the church can really drift into uncharted territory that just gets strange. Now, I've got to be really clear about some things. My personality type likes routine, expectation, boundaries. I, I like budgets. That's my personality type. And I have to be aware of that because that's going to also affect how I interpret the Bible. It's my natural personality. Your natural personality will impact and be a lens through which you interpret the Bible. Mix that with your upbringing. Were you in church or not? What was your church like? What did they focus on? What didn't they focus on? All these things are going to colour the lens you read the Bible through. So I've got to be honest, I get that my natural lens is I prefer order to disorder. I also read in 1 Corinthians 14, around verse 32 or something like that, that God is a God of order, not disorder. So I appreciate the Bible. But here's, here's my, my premise as well before continuing into this space. I feel like sometimes when the church just takes a doctrine and goes too far with it and goes into non-biblical territory, we give that topic or that doctrine just such a bad taste in people's mouths that sometimes they chuck it all out. Let me explain a little bit of examples. I despise the prosperity gospel. Hate it. But here's the thing. I believe God, your Father in heaven, wants to bless you. I believe in Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But here's the Ephesians 4.19. Who shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not wants. Prosperity gospel drifts it into wants. Prosperity gospel drifts it into if God loves you, you'll have crazy amounts of things. That's not the Bible. Ephesians 4, Paul says, I've had a full stomach and an empty stomach. I've had everything and nothing, but in all things I'm content. That's why I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? So sometimes we're like, yuck, prosperity out the window, but we throw good things out with the bad things. I love a sovereign view of God. But I would not call myself a Calvinist. In fact, I've encountered some really arrogant, rude, mean Calvinists. And if you don't know what that means, it kind of means uh, God is so sovereign in the view of process of salvation that you didn't have any kind of choice or any kind of free will. But here's the thing. If most people I know that don't like Calvinists have never read John Calvin. Never opened up. Institutes of Christian Religion, 1,200 page, absolute gift to the body of Christ. Uh, written in 1,500, 1,500, somewhere in there. Uh, a wonderful gift with so much goodness in it. It's just some things you're allowed to disagree with. And some people today have taken it to a non-biblical space. And we look at them and we go, oh, yuck. And we chuck beauty out because of a bad experience. Topic today is of gifts of the Spirit. I've seen it done in the most tragic, horrific, disgusting ways, if I can be really honest. Ways that I think are incredibly unbiblical and damaging to the body of Christ and the mission of Christ. And the thing that I want to try and do today is maybe a couple of people who are more passionate and just want to see everything going nuts and, and crazy, thing, maybe just come back a little bit but also some people here that have been wounded by moving in the Spirit or gifts in the Spirit, just come forward a bit to a place of faith. 
so we can live in this place where we keep the main thing the main thing and we don't major on a minor, if that's cool. I'll read out one more verse before uh, getting a bit more into it today. I read this out a lot because it's so frightening to me and important. Matthew chapter 7, 22 to 23. I don't think I gave it up there. Um, You guys know it. Many. It scares me that it's not just a couple. Will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. This is wild. There's, I've still got questions about this verse. Lord, so they know Jesus as God. Have we not prophesied in your name? They're moving in the gift of prophecy. Have we not cast out demons in your name? They understand spiritual authority. Haven't we done many wonders in your name? Another gift, another confirmation of the gospel. And then Jesus will declare to them, I never Knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Some people try to interpret that to say they're still saved. They're just not close in heaven to God. I'm like, no, I just can't. I can't go there. Never means never. Not like we knew you once and then you walked away. Like you never knew Jesus. And knew there is gnosko in the Greek. It's every other time it's used in the Greek in the New Testament. It means salvation or heartfelt revelation that leads to relationship. It's, it's comparative to a, a husband and wife on their wedding night becoming one, knowing each other. And what Jesus' rebuke is there, I never had a relationship with you. So we're exposed, if we can take this literally, which I think we can because it's in the Sermon on the Mount and everything else is basically taken literally there. If we can take that literally, it means that people are actually moving in the gifts of the Spirit and they never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That freaks me out. Now, if you're here and and you're prone to myself, kind of sceptic or asking questions, haven't we prophesied in your name? I guess it's possible for them to at least prophesy in his name but not be accurate, so not be moving in the gift. Haven't we cast out demons in your name? I guess it's possible for people to pretend to be in that space. I was on a mission trip with Pastor Eric in Indonesia and it was one of the greatest (laughs) lessons and crash courses ever as we're in this village at a small home church middle of Indonesia in um, uh, Surikara and we're preaching in this home church and I'm preaching just like a normal message at the time when I was like we weren't even married 23 24 it was a garbage message and uh, it was it was awful and (laughs) I preach this message and, and people come out and, uh, you know, we're, we're leading some people in, into a relationship with Jesus and then we're praying for people. And this is just wild. People go down and they start like rolling and screaming and things are going on. And it's like I was there with a Jedi master. It was like the best lesson ever. It was insane. Pastor Eric's walking around. He's like, don't worry about that one. They're pretending. This one. Come on, come on with me. And we start praying and he's casting demons out. And he goes, don't worry about that one. He goes, Sometimes it's cultural. They want attention from Westerners. That one's not really having a demon come out. Come over here with me and pray. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's a gun. But we can sense it. So just maybe there were manifestations, but it wasn't really about spiritual authority in that space. But it is possible to look like you're moving in the gifts and have no relationship with Jesus. 
Can we keep the main thing the main thing? Can we keep Jesus at the center of everything we do? Everything we do. If I have all those gifts but no love, I'm nothing. I'm a noisy symbol. I am nothing. All right. Let's pull a hair off the microphone and keep going. Okay. Big picture again. Let's look at two main passages that have the spiritual gifts. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. So a lot of people, to me, even when I did Bible college, it was more of a ministry college than a theology training. We did like deep dives into 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Spirit. And we break them down into here's nine gifts and here's three, lots of three, and here's this and here's that. Um, and the more I study, and even talking with Pam Barra recently, who runs C3 College down in Sydney, I've kind of come to this conclusion that I'm not sure if Paul's goal is to give an exact, specific, exhaustive list of here's the gifts of the Spirit in their entirety and fullness and perfection. I think he's more just rattling off things that are on offer to us in the Spirit. What makes me think that? Here we read Romans chapter 12. These are the gifts of the Spirit in Romans 12. The reason I underline prophecy is it's the only similarity. Actually, can we go 1 Corinthians 12, please? Is that okay, Michelle? We'll come back to Romans 12. These are the ones you might be more familiar with. A word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. If you add prophecy in there, they're the three spoken gifts of the Spirit. Faith, healing, miracles. They're the... the I think they call them the faith gifts, and then discernment, tongues, and interpretation. They're the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now let's compare them to the Romans 12 again. Look how different these are. These ones are rarely championed in my Pentecostal circles. (laughs) Prophecy, the spiritual gift of serving. I don't see anyone banging down the door to say that, hey, hey Dan, I'm a mighty man of God, I have spiritual gifts serving. The spiritual gift of teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership. I love this. Kindness. Did anyone grow up watching Captain America? Earth, power, wind, water. Isn't that, what's his name? Captain Planet. (laughs) Thank you for correcting me though. (laughs) That was a test. You got the undies on right now. Gift of discernment. <laughs> Captain Planet. How funny was it? It's like earth. I can move earth. Water, wind, heart. The last guy's like, heart. <laughs> it's like a pet monkey. He's like, heart. I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's cute. It's like the gift of kindness. Let's leave it there for a second. I would love for the Pentecostal church, the Christian church, let's just expand it, to be known for that list. Sometimes we push into the other list because it comes with a microphone. This list is what Jesus looks like. Isn't that a beautiful list? Imagine someone boasting about having a spiritual gift of encouragement. Because sometimes people come up and they're like, oh, why don't we ever see the gifts flow in our church? I'm like, are you kidding? They're constantly there. They are constantly happening. I am constantly seeing kindness, giving, leadership throughout the church, encouragement. I think I'm seeing serving, teaching, and prophecy flowing well. And I think we're seeing the other gifts too. I think we see tongues. I think we... 
I haven't opened the microphone up to interpretation because I've seen it go absolutely train wreck. And uh, so we more at our church, in case you're wondering, encourage people to, if you feel you have a gift, try and attempt to use it in a small group setting. We call them sozo groups. First step is to be a part of one because then you've got to commit. Then you've got to actually go. Then you've got to go and be present and, and humbly try and use this gift. And already some people are like, oh, that's not for me. I'm like, <laughs> I get it because it requires commitment. <laughs> I'm not going to just open that mic for any old chap to come on up here and start prophesying. I was talking to someone, we were doing a, a wedding yesterday and they were, um, this old guy wanted to challenge me about um, gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. I'm like, oh, okay, fair. I didn't want this conversation on a Saturday, but let's go there. And as I was expressing my view more and more and more, he goes, you know what? Yeah, I suppose it's actually true. I remember being a part of a church once when they started prophesying about make sure you go and buy rubber gumboots because the end of the world is coming. And this prophet was lifted up by the arms and carried out the church. And I sat there going, yeah, yeah, that's what we're trying to limit at our church. <laughs> now, Pastor Eric handed on our, and Christine, they, they transitioned handed to us seven and a half years ago. So you wouldn't have seen him up here as much as he used to. But you need to understand, he was an incredibly accurate and respected prophet. And do you know what it looked like most of the time? Hey, actually, you, yeah, I was just praying for you this morning. God said this with this scripture and this verse. I'd love you to push into that space. Go and pray about it this week. It's not weird. It's submitted to the word of God. It's pastorally hearted. It would encourage the church. I find it wonderful. We can get more into that space soon. Imagine if we were known for that. We, we try and make this exhaustive list and do deep dives into the gifts of the Spirit, but I don't know if it's Paul's goal. I'm babbling. I should get to the main point. I don't know if it's Paul's goal. He writes most of the topics on gifts of the Spirit to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth were nuts. Can we just accept the humanity attached to the Bible, right? It's the holy inspired Word of God. Human authors in human times dealing with human problems. Read Corinthians. And wait till you get up to 12 and 14 about gifts of the Spirit. First and foremost, Paul's correcting them because they have temple prostitutes. They're coming, moving in gifts of the Spirit and having sex with prostitutes all at church. One dude is having sex with his stepmom. It's in the Bible, chapter 5. You can read, I'm talking nuts. They're suing each other. They're divorcing over anything. Paul has to teach them about marriage and divorce and what's going on. They're, they're, they're struggling to give. So he has to encourage them with what generosity looks like. They're, they're whinging that he's not a true apostle. They shouldn't have to submit to him or listen to him. So he has to kind of give his resume. Like this church is crazy. And we get to this point, and this is, this is what it would look like. They're just walking in on a Sunday, sin is abounding, things are crazy, there's division everywhere, and then they're just shouting. Like they're just shouting prophetic words. So Paul's main goal, you've got to understand, okay, he writes a little bit about it in Romans, but every other letter he doesn't write about. 
We don't see charisma in Ephesians or in Galatians or Philippians or Colossians or 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians or establishing the church through Timothy. We don't read about gifts there. Why? Because this church is nuts. That's why if you read it yourself, what does it look like? In verse 12, chapter 12 predominantly is, hey, just so you guys know, you're actually one body. There should be unity and you should be for each other. So just calm down a bit. In verse 14, all right, here's some practical advice. If you're going to prophesy in tongues, just maybe two, three tops. Like this is in the Bible. <laughs> it's like two, three tops. Make sure there's an interpreter. If there's no interpreter, don't worry about doing it over a microphone. Keep your mouth quiet. I believe I have the gift of tongues. You will never see me do it over the microphone unless I believe God is telling me to do it for you. And I'm going to stop the service right there and go, well, I guess someone here has the gift of interpretation. Do you want to come on up and interpret? Until I feel God putting that on me, I'm just going to flourish in what I believe my other gifts are, which is pastoring and teaching. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to force this prophetic word of tongues until I feel God honor this church is nuts he's like giving control things he's literally at the end of 14 he's like hey so if someone's prophesying and then someone else gets a revelation maybe you should just stop prophesying and let that other person share a revelation so that you know we all get to talk during the service like is that okay can you see his main goal this is the word of god but there's such a real human problem he's solving this church is crazy so sometimes we look to that and we're like, let's just be a 1 Corinthians 14 church. And I'm like, I don't want to be a Corinthian church. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to look like that. I, but I do believe there is biblical, godly truth in 1 Corinthians 14 that applies to the church. So you see what I'm trying to help us see it for what's going on and keep the main thing the main thing. Paul's trying to solve an issue there. So he's bringing order. He's bringing structure into moving in the Spirit. So what is my, in the last 10 minutes, hopefully 10 minutes, we'll see. I always say that and then babble on. All right, what is my actual predominant conviction around gifts of the Spirit? I believe they have two purposes and the authors of Scripture are significantly less focused on you developing, a, like teaching your specific gifts and more us being open to the Holy Spirit moving in however He wants to move. What makes me think that? Two predominant things. The first one is for the building of the church. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. For I long to visit you so I can bring some spiritual gift. He's not even sure what it is. That will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by your faith. See, he's so less focused on, I want to get to you so I can give you these specific ones. We're going to do a masterclass and an eight-hour session, a deep dive into the Greek about what the Greek, the gifts of the Spirit are and when to use them and how to use them. He's like, look, I just want to come. And I want to pray with you and I want to wait with you and I want to lay hands on you. And I want to believe the gifts still flow today. This is where I sit. The gifts still flow today. And he's so much less focused on doing a deep dive into what they are, into just going into the gospel. The next 11 chapters are just a theological, Christ-centered, gospel-centered masterpiece for 11 chapters. And then in 12 to 16, in a nutshell, is like, and here's how we live as Christians. And he gives two verses to the gifts. Can we keep the main thing the main thing? The main thing is, 
Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for the work of the cross every day. I'm coming back there. Uh, the, okay, I know this is time I shouldn't. So Romans, the goal of writing Romans was that the Jews were kicked out of Rome. And then when they came back, by the time they came back, all the Jewish Christians, there was all these Gentiles getting saved, non-Jews. And there was this tension within the church. So Paul writes this letter. Chapter 1 is saying, Jews, by nature, you have sin. Chapter 2 is saying, Gentiles, by nature, you have sin. Chapter 3, it finishes with, and we all have sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Chapter 4 is, but we're all made right with God through faith, just like Abraham was. He didn't do the circumcision first. He believed God and faith. That's how God counted him righteous. We're the same. Chapter 5, it's like, and Christ is that seed of Abraham, the second Adam that's meant to come down and help us and and save us and redeem us and bring us back to himself. Chapter 6, even though you're in Christ, you're still going to struggle with sin. But thank you, God, that we, when we were baptized, we died to sin. We came up to new life. And even then, chapter 7 is like something inside you is going to be waging war against this new nature in Christ. Finishes with, who can help me? Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Verse 8, we looked at 8 last year for seven weeks. It's all about now you're a child of God, in a nutshell, and nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Chapter 9, 10, and 11 are perplexing and a lot of room for debate, so I will simply put them together and say, interpret them together. (laughs) They have to be read together. Chapter 9 is basically full Calvinist. Who are you to complain if you're destined for hell? Chapter 10 is, but anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Hyper-Armenianist, interpret together. And 11 is like, hey, yeah, God grafted the Israelites out, but, and he grafted you in, but don't brag about it. Otherwise, he'll graft you out. And everyone's just sitting there going, oh my gosh, this, this book is insane. Imagine reading the letter. Imagine that was your job. You've got to read the letter to the church. Oh my gosh. And then 12 to 16 is this beautiful thing of now we are one in God, in Christ. What does life look like? It's beautiful, really. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful gift, this letter. And we see in this passage a few things on the gifts of the Spirit. And when Paul starts this letter, he's like, oh, but I just can't wait to be with you. I want to be in the room. And I want to bring some kind of spiritual gift to strengthen the church. Isn't that beautiful? The reason I'm saying all of that is to keep the main thing the main thing. I want us to expect the gifts of the Spirit to be on offer and operating in our church. But they will never, ever, ever take priority above a relationship with Jesus and the power of the gospel. I believe they came, the gifts come for the building of the church. First Peter. Amen. First Peter 4. Did I actually give 1 Peter 4, uh, 11 and 12, actually, Michelle, before? This is the only other time spiritual gifts is mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, sorry, uh, did I give verse 11 and 12? No. Oh, I thought I emailed it through. Sorry, I thought it was at the top there. My bad. It's the only other time the gifts of the Spirit are used uh, in 1 Peter 4. We will get that slide up again. Thank you, Michelle, of 1 Peter 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. The goal of spiritual gifts is this. God has given each of you... Everyone sitting here, the moment you're a new creation in Christ, a spiritual gift is on offer. How cool is that? But why? From his great variety of spiritual gifts, 
Use them well to serve one another. The goal of your spiritual gift is less about you being publicized and known and more about you being humble and helping. A spiritual gift is given to each of you so we can help each other. What am I looking for with your spiritual gift? Less of, thus says the Lord, and more of, how can I help? You're going through a really tough time. How can I help right now? How can I be there for you? Is it simply you just want me to sit next to you or buy you a coffee right now and encourage you? Show kindness to you? Is that what you need? Do you want me to show hospitality? Do you want me to be there for you? Do you want me to cook you a meal? What does it look like to serve someone else with your gift? I believe that is the predominant reason the Holy Spirit wants to give you a gift. But what we do... Do you guys remember... I keep doing this going off track. Okay. Do you remember the tension when the Israelites wanted a king? Uh, if you've read that Old Testament kind of situation, I, I believe it's First Samuel, you're going to read this tension point where God had set the Israelites free, right, from Egypt, out of slavery, massive journey with Moses, into the promised land, defeating all the tribes, they settle down, judges, blah, blah. God the whole time was like, I want to be your king. I want to be your king. I want to be your king. I just want to challenge kind of a cultural issue or even a heart issue in, in humanity. The Israelites were like, you can be our God, but we want a king. And he's like, but I'm your king. They're like, no, 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 we want to be like the other nations. We want a person. Give us a person as our king. And it actually broke God's heart. He's like, but I, I'm your king. They're like, we want what we can see. Same reason they made the golden calf. They said to Aaron, give us a God we can see so we can worship. We always want to make an idol. We always want to elevate something other than God so we can praise it. The reason I want to highlight that now, I think if we aren't checking that, if we aren't questioning that and challenging that, which is in every single one of us, I think we want to make an idol of a prophet or a pastor or a teacher. We elevate them above everyone else. We do this today in Christendom. The reason so many people are walking away from the faith when a Ravi Zacharias falls or a Carl Lentz falls or a Hillsong falls is because we put our faith in someone as opposed to him. And I'm not here to slander those people. My conviction, in case you haven't heard me say it every Sunday, I hold the microphone, is we're all sinners who deserve hell. That's why I'm so grateful for the cross, because I'm just as bad, if not worse, than anyone I just named. But I'm so grateful for God who saved me in my wretchedness. So now I don't look to them to build my hope of the future or trust in God. I'm not trying to get my revelations. They have served the body well. Just as King David did, a murderous adulterer, serves the body well with that book of Psalms. But I'm not worshipping David. And the reason I want to hammer this is sometimes if we're not careful, we're taking prophets today and elevating them above the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit wants to inspire and speak through directly to your heart, away from a person. I really need to be clear on that. Beautiful reformation that happened 500 years ago was removing the Pope. 
so that you could have the Word of God and come back to created purpose where God speaks straight to me as a child of God through His Word. And if you aren't careful when it comes to this topic of spiritual gifts, I've seen it the most in Pentecostalism. We start to worship and praise and look to prophets going, what does God want to say to me? And I believe in the gift of prophecy, but I'm going to absolutely scream this. Not one prophetic word ever trumps Scripture. God was so clear. This book is now complete. Woo! Cursed is the man who adds to this book. So every prophetic word that I believe in prophetic words today has to be in line with and submitted to the Word of God. So what would it look like for you to practice a spiritual gift whether it's prophecy, word of knowledge, serving, encouragement. It's just something. I'd, if you feel like I'd love to grow in that, let's be practical about it. Good Lord, I babble. Man, that time goes so quick. All right. This is, I've got one more point after this. Sorry. Um, so where do you start? Here's my honest encouragement. Here's my honest encouragement. Because we, we want to go from zero to 100, right? We want to get up. Thus says the Lord, I want to be taken over like John in Revelation. I just want this, this picture and be swept up and wind to fill the room. It's probably not going to be like that. I'm going to say 99 million times. Uh, it's not going to look like that. I went to finish the number and I couldn't be bothered. So where to start? Start by praying for God to put a scripture on your heart for a person. Why? Well, that's safe. Because here's the thing, even if you're wrong, you're just sharing a verse with someone. But if you're right, and I've had this and I've seen this, you're going to have someone go, that was exactly what I needed to hear right now. And that might be a little bit of confirmation that God is starting to stir a gift inside you. Then what I want you to do is go to that person, like I said, and encourage them with that exact Scripture and then pray it over them. Then humbly, very humbly, share anything else God adds to that. If it's a picture or a word or something, just please don't do this. I beg you. It's one thing I beg you. Don't go. And God would, is saying to you right now, it's too definite. You don't know that. God said it through His Word. Here's what I would do. Hey, I'm just feeling this verse of you, Michelle. I'm just going to pray for this. And this might not be of God, but I'm just sensing this picture of you making me dinner. No, just kidding. <laughs> Inviting me over with Kurt. There's like lamb, there's a bottle of wine, and it's Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Faith without hints is dead. Faith without hints is dead. Come on now. But I'm going to go onto that space, and Kurt, I'm just praying this verse over you right now, and I'm just seeing this picture as well, man. I don't know what it is. I just see like weighed down. I just see freedom coming. It might make sense to him or not, but here's what I'm going to say. Can you go and pray about that with God for a while? See if that resonates with you or not. Because there's a big chance I might just be feeling it. And it's not evil, but it's not of God. We all cool? Here's a practical way. And never let... Hey, come on! <laughs> she has lamb in the fridge. Holy Spirit, breathe. And never let anything trump Scripture. Always submit a prophecy to the Bible. I've said this before, and it scares the heck out of me, so I'll say it again. I had a pastor of another church say to me, what you experience and hear in worship trumps the Bible because it's what God is saying today as opposed to what God said then. That is the highest heresy that could maybe be preached today. 
So here's what I'm coming into you as a continuationist Pentecostal. I believe God wants to speak to you today. But it will be in line with the Word of God because His Word is perfect and complete. All right, final thing. I'll get Mark up now, so it'll make me go quicker for this last point. But... <laughs> All right. So the gifts of the Spirit are on offer. And the two main things, one, they're for the building of the church. Two, what is my actual full-on conviction? Why would the gifts of the Spirit be on offer? My second point is for the confirming of the gospel. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then what? And these signs will follow. If you preach the gospel, if you share Jesus Christ, His message, His birth, death, resurrection, His life on offer today, if you're preaching the gospel, I want to say this. You should expect miracles and signs to follow you. But here's my disclaimer. We don't chase miracles and signs and wonders, but we expect them. An adulterous generation seeks a sign. Jesus challenged his hearers. We don't chase signs. We don't seek signs. We, we chase the gospel. We chase a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we expect the Holy Spirit to confirm that with miracles, signs, wonders, gifts. Acts chapter 8, we looked at last week. Philip went to Samaria. It says crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. The signs and gifts were given to confirm the message of Jesus Christ. The opposite is quite scary. Actually, on that, just quickly, I was reading this book. Um, I've completely forgotten the guy's name. He was doing, he, he writes a book, uh, Is the Church in China Completely Pentecostal? And he's writing this book. It's wonderful because it's like a, a reflection on what's happening in China in the last 50 years. It's just out of this world. The growth of Christianity over there in a real way under persecution is profound and encouraging. And in this book, he says 90% of converts say that they, their conversion to Christianity through the message of the cross was confirmed through a healing. 90% said they either saw or experienced a healing and that led to their conversion to Christianity. See, sometimes we chase the gifts as opposed to chasing Jesus, the gospel, relationship and expecting the gifts. They're given to confirm because I'm going to finish with these two verses. The first one scares me. The second one encourages me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. And I know I'm, I'm branching out a bit more into miracles now, but miracle is a gift of the Spirit. Jesus began to denounce. Some versions say rebuke. Oh, please have ears to hear this. Holy Spirit, help us to hear this. Jesus began to rebuke the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. If the goal is miracles and the goal is gifts, then hear me clearly, we can flourish in those gifts and still invoke the wrath of God. 
So how do we be a church open to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and prompting, but always see it as kind of a sign and wonder to point us to Jesus? I've used this illustration before because it helped me. If I'm driving on my way to Sydney and I get halfway down, I see a big green sign that says Sydney, 400 kilometres. I, I don't get out of the car and look at the sign and go, well, we did it. It's here. Take photos, take a selfie, post on social media. Dear diary, I saw the sign. I, I don't worship the sign and get back in the car and turn around and come home feeling complete going, we did it. Yes, I saw the sign. The sign is there to give me confidence and courage that I'm on the right track. Equal and opposite argument, I would start to get nervous if I couldn't see any signs, am I on the right path? Am I flourishing in the right direction? So I expect the Holy Spirit to move in some way, shape or form regularly in our church. But I don't worship those things. I can tell you with every ounce of my heart, I praise God and experience all the joy when even one person repents of their sins, turns to Jesus Christ abandons practicing a life of sin and chooses to practice a life in the presence of God. Nothing gives me greater present, greater joy. Now, signs may come in that moment, but hear me clearly, they might not, and I'm okay. Because the greatest miracle to ever happen has just happened. I'll finish with this one verse, literally done right now, because it's my enlarge your view of what are the gifts of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That word gift, the free gift of God, is charisma. It's the word that's used all through the New Testament for spiritual gifts. The greatest spiritual gift of all is salvation. So let's be a church that expects the gifts to flow in our church. But may the predominant one be the gift of salvation. And everything else is given and expected and desired to confirm and endorse salvation relationship with Jesus. Now we're going to do something slightly different at the end of the service. But right now we're just going to worship. So can we stand to our feet? We're going to worship God this morning.
Thank you. 
Hey church, let's just stay in this place of worship. I haven't done this before, so I'm not sure where it's going to go. We're just going to open up. And you might not like the parameters I put around it, but I'm going to ask you, in the next five minutes, if any sozo leaders, sozo leaders or pastoral team feel God put a word on your heart for our church, I want you to come and share it. I want it to be encouraging. I want you to feel confident. But if that's it, if you feel God has pressed something on your heart for our church, there might be no one in the next five minutes. There might be five, seven people. I'm not sure what this is going to look like, but I am going to ask that just so, so leaders. And if you feel God has given you a word for our church, if you're here today and you're not a sozo leader and you feel God has put a word on your heart for our church, I'd love for you to write it down and give it to us after the service or bring it to your sozo leader after today. If it's the Word of God, it's going to be still relevant this week, next week, and the week after. But in this moment, if you feel like God is leading you and guiding you, so as our leader, the band's going to keep worshipping. I'm going to stay on stage. Come and talk to me. Grab the mic and share this Word for our church. We're just going to allow five minutes. Everyone else, why don't we just keep our eyes closed and look to God. Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that's in me, is in you, is in anyone else. It's salvation. He fills us and He helps us to call Jesus Lord. So why don't you look away to that God and just worship, just joy in your heart. The band's going to play. If any Sozo leaders want to come on up, feel free.
pain. It comes with turmoil. And we just, we just gotta keep going. We just need to embrace the differences that we have. We embrace the, the things that happen that try to build a barrier between us. We need to understand around that. And we are so imperfect. We've got to give each other incredible grace that is beyond a normal getting over things. It's just getting beyond. Just Lord just wants us to know that we have that currency and it is incredibly powerful here. But that's the only way we're going to get to the community. It's the only way we're going to build a space that is just extraordinary. There is a spirit of God that flows from this place. But it's built on love. So, yeah. And just know it's not just the emotional love. It's the, the doing love. The just being beside each other. And that's what we need to hold. Amen. Amen. Seal that word on our heart, Lord. Thank you, God. the scripture on my heart actually the word embrace just dropped into my spirit before Chrissy came up and then when she shared about embracing and there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 5 it says a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing and I just feel that uh, God is just wanting us to embrace his Holy Spirit and his gifts and just to embrace these teachings that we're having just to uh, bring us to where he wants us to be as a church. on the presence of God, pushing into God, and focus on how can I help, how can I serve, the gift will flow. 
don't worry about focusing on the gift. Focus on him. Focus on his church. The gift will flow. Thank you, Jesus.
you for your great love. Oh, Lord God. First Corinthians 13. <laughs> we may have all the gifts and all the talents, but if we do not have love, then it's just noise. Lord, help us to love. Teach us how to love as you love. We pray. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a beautiful service. Great word. Beautiful to be together, worshiping our, our God. God bless you, church. Have a great week. And we will see you again this time next week. God bless. Oh, or the prayer meeting. Come to the prayer meeting. Come on.